Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. Right now, you're about to listen to a message from our current series. Thanks for tuning in today. Pastor started this series on the Sermon on the Mount, specifically the Beatitudes here, probably, I think we're on number six here tonight. So it's been what, like, this is the sixth week, I guess, for, for uh, easy sake. And uh, um, so I'm going to continue on with that. And tonight we're going to talk about, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So the pure in heart, that's what we're going to talk about, having a pure heart and, and seeing God. Uh, Matthew chapter 5 is, is where the, the text is going to be at, is where I will catch up to you and, and make my way there. But uh, just to give you a little context and background as we get into the the Word of God tonight. Um, again, the Sermon on the Mount, specifically the Beatitudes, and basically the Beatitudes are like this. They're kind of the, the core values or, or really the belief system that we should have being believers in the kingdom of God. Uh, they're really a standard of conduct for, for us as believers, how we sh- should live and, and how we should treat other people. And, and the big thing is it, it was radical for the time when Jesus talked about this stuff because, again, it was very contrary to the way that the world was living, and it's, again, the same way today, very contrary to the way that the world is living. When, when you live for God and live for his kingdom, and you come out of the world system, that, that system of, of buying and selling and, and just how it all works versus the kingdom of God, sowing and reaping, and, and uh, again, it's just different. Um, so again, the Beatitudes, I, I found this, and it said basically it's like this. It's eight radical declarations of kingdom living resulting in contentment in the midst of chaos. And you think about that. They're radical, again, because they are far out there. And they're, they're real far out there nowadays with, with the things that we've got going on and, and, and kind of what's normal. But, you know, if you live this way, if you've got this as your core values in your belief system, uh, it will result in contentment in the midst of chaos. And, and who doesn't want that? In a chaotic world, you want to have peace and, and joy and contentment. And, and what, a, what a testimony to the world that when gas prices are, are through the roof and just all these things are going on, you can have peace and contentment, you know, knowing who you are and, and, and whose you are and who's taking care of you and, and trusting in the Lord along the way. Amen? Well, when pastor started, you know, here a few weeks ago, the, the first beatitude was, was welcoming the poor in spirit. He talked about that one and the second one comforting those who mourn. And then I talked about the third one, esteeming the meek. And, and meekness is not weakness. It's really strength under control, if you remember that. And then, you know, a couple weeks ago here, he talked about hungering for justice. And last week, he talked about extending mercy. And if you remember, at the end of service, he, he talked about through Psalm 51 and, and, and what a prayer that was for David of, of, you know, and again, when we show mercy, we will receive mercy. But we first receive mercy from God, amen? God commendeth his love toward us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, we didn't get what we deserved. We actually got what we didn't deserve. We got his grace and, and, and his mercy, amen? And like I talked about tonight, we're gonna talk about having a pure heart. And then next week is obviously the, the party service, the, the first weekend of, of uh, or the first Wednesday of the month, uh, party service, and then afterwards we're going to have this party on event, which is going to be amazing. It'll be out there on the terrace. They're, we're going to feed you and, and all that stuff. So bring your friends, and it's going to be a good good time of fellowship and, and just enjoying each other's company. So now we're caught up here. So Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 1 through 2, and, and this is the stage here. He says, And seeing the multitudes, this is Jesus, he, he went up on a mountain. And when he was seated with his, his disciples, came to him. 
Then he opened his mouth and he taught them. So here, you know, pastor always talks about, you know, make sure you know the context. Who's speaking? Who's being spoken to? So the one speaking here is, is Jesus. He's, he's talking specifically to his disciples. And, and the multitude are, are basically listening in to the conversation and, and the sermon that he's teaching his disciples. They're, they're listening in on that. And, and, and again, they're, they're comprised of religious Jews, of, of Pharisees and, and Sadducees and, and scribes and probably people that, that were Jewish at one time that, that maybe are backslidden or, or are not practicing at the time. You know, that I think there was something like 613 commandments that they had to keep under the Jewish custom. I mean, could you imagine that? 613 commands. You know, not just the 10 commandments, but all the things that they added to it. And that's how religion, religion operates. It, it just continues to, you know, expand and, and you know, c- kind of constrict you even more rather than having freedom. Amen. There were also probably Greeks and, and Roman soldiers there. The, the Roman soldiers, again, were the military at the time. Um, so a lot of different people. You know, I, I read a, a devotional here recently where it's this guy, H.P. Parker, and he compared, you know, this group of people or, or basically Christians to, to three different things or three, three different types of things that, that could show up in a garden. It was a, a butterfly, a botanist, and, and a bee, and it's kind of crazy, but, you know, you think about a butterfly. What, you know, they're really beautiful, but they just fl- fly around from, from flower to flower. And, you know, they don't really help things out. They're there pretty much for themselves. And every time they land, they're just kind of resting to go on to the next thing. And, and that's what a butterfly does. And then, then you've got the botanist that's out in the garden. And, you know, they've got their notebook. And, and they've got this big magnifying glass. And, and they're leaning over every flower. And, you know, they're just really analyzing and, and taking notes. And, and they're out there for hours. But when they're done, you know, they just simply fold up their notebook book, put the magnifying glass back, and, and then they go on about their way. But then you got the bee out there, right? The bee, you know, he lands on the flower, and, and he goes deep. He, he sucks all the nectar and, and, and all the pollen that he can. And, and, you know, the bee leaves the hive empty, but he comes back full. Amen? And, and, and it's like this in our lives. He said some Christians are, they're like that butterfly. They, they flit around from Bible study to Bible study, from sermon to sermon, and from commentary to commentary, while gaining little more than a nice feeling and some good ideas. They, they say in the last day there'll be itching ears, right? And with YouTube and all this stuff, we can have so much information. But, but others, like the botanist, they study scripture carefully and, and they take copious notes. They gain much information, but little truth. You know, the Bible says that, that they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. That's what it makes me think of there. But others, like the bee, they go to the Bible to be taught by God and, and to grow in the knowledge of him. And also, like the bee, they never go away empty. Say, so say I'm a bee. That's what you want to be like, right? The, a butterfly botanist or a bee, and that's, that's what we want to be. And, you know, in this group, you, you think about the, the butterflies. They could be the multitudes. They're, they're simply maybe coming for a meal or, or maybe to see a miracle. They'd heard about Jesus and whatnot, but they're not necessarily coming to, to build a relationship with him. They're, they're maybe coming more for a show or, or, or whatever it is just to see if he does what it is that he's done before. Now, the, the botanists here would definitely be the religious Jews, the, the Pharisees and the, and, and the Sadducees and the scribes. You know, they were again, in charge of making sure that everybody followed these 613 commandments. And they definitely were not there to build a relationship with Jesus, right? I'm giving you context here. They were there really to see if, if things were done decently and in order and, and, and properly. They didn't, they didn't care about the inward part. They cared mainly about the, the outward thing, that, that it was done with perfection. And then again, the bees were the disciples, and that's us here tonight. They were there because they had left everything to follow Jesus, And they wanted to learn, build a relationship with Jesus, and most importantly, 
do what it is that, that, that he did. And in James 1.22, it says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Amen? If you're, a hear, if you're only a, a hearer, you'll deceive yourselves. And why is that? Because you come and, and you hear the word, but you don't go activate the word in your life. You don't go do the word, and that deceives yourself. Amen? So again, we've got a bunch of bees in here that, that are taking in the word of God tonight. And as we get into this, the sixth beatitude, Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. And the context of that, again, is, is this is a radical teaching especially in the time and place that they're living in. You know, they've been going for all of these years living under this, this, this Jewish law and these, these 613 commandments that they're trying to keep. And then Jesus comes and he makes this radical statement in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. He says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And when I first read this, I was like, man, that, that's pretty simple. How do, you know, how do I expound and, and, and unpack all this thing? Well, you know, first the word blessed, we, we know in, in Matthew 5, 8, in the Amplified Classic, it says it like this. Blessed means happy or enviably fortunate. You know, enviable. You know, you, uh, others basically want what it is that you've got. Again, you're, you're content in the middle of crisis. So you show up to the workplace and you're, you're, you're easy peasy, you're smooth operator, you're under control and everybody else is wondering, man, what is it that you've got? You know, what's different about you versus everybody else? Amen? You're, you're enviably fortunate and you're spiritually prosperous. You, you're possessing the happiness produced by the experience of God's favor and especially conditioned by the revelation of his grace. Amen? When God reveals himself to you, amen, it, it makes you happy, it makes you blessed. Regardless of their outward uh, conditions. So again, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So as we get into this tonight, we're going to answer, first ask and then answer three questions in regards to the pure in heart. So the first question is this, is, and we're going to reverse engineer this. We're going to come in the back door. It's, it's what is the promise concerning those who are pure in heart. Now again, remember the context. You've got the, uh, these, these Pharisees out there listening and, and, and the multitudes and so forth. You know, the, they're, they're all under this, this law where they've got to keep these 613 rules, but they're doing it by self-discipline. You know, and how many people know that, that self-discipline only lasts so long? Willpower only lasts so long. And so then, you know, based on the law, they maybe either have to, to sacrifice something or, or do something other in the law to, to get back in God's good graces. But it's, it's just all of this works. It's religion. It's, it's working your way to God. So that's what they're used to. You know, the Pharisees basically said this. They, they said, if you do these things and, and follow these commandments, if you do, then God will be pleased with you. And that's how you get close to him. That's religion, right? Man's way of working his way to God. Amen? That, that's religion up one side and down the other. Amen. The things that we do to try to earn God's favor, earn his forgiveness. Amen? And it's, it, it's not like it was today. You know, it's, it's today, you know, when you came to church tonight, you drove by five or, 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 or ten church buildings on, on every street. There wasn't all these churches that are out there and so forth. You know, they had, again, been told their whole lives that the only way that they could see God or, or experience God or know God is by staying away from the bad things and only doing the good things. And, and that sounds good, but it's a wrong perspective. It's basically performance-based religion. If I pray enough, if I read enough, if I show up to church enough, if I, if I tithe and I do good, if I do all those things, then I'm going to earn God's favor, his grace, his mercy, and forgiveness. And, and hopefully at the end of the day, you know, he'll let me in. I remember before I was a, you know, became a Christian and, and, and heard the gospel, that's what I thought. I thought in the end, when I stand before God, he's going to kind of put the balance there and hopefully my good outweighs the bad and, and he'll let me into heaven. And, and it's kind of that mentality. 
And then Jesus comes along and he says this, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So simple. So the promise of being pure in heart is seeing God. Very simple. If you want to see God, be pure in heart. And this word see, you know, it's got three different connotations. The first one is really simple, you know, discerning with the eyes. It's, it's the five physical senses. And, you know, if, if you're a younger person in here, something really weird happens around age 48 where, you know, the, the letters on the page, I, I, I would read out of my Bible, but I got to have these reader things now, which is, is it's crazy. But that's, that's physical seeing, you know, and, and that may be a negative confession, but uh, I used to have eagle eyes, and I'm telling you, it's crazy how it works. But that's the first type of see we talk about. The second type of see is, is observation, kind of like watching a movie. You know, you go to the movie house or, or watch a movie at, at home and, and you observe that movie and, you know, you kind of, you know, it creates emotion in you and various things like that. That's the second type of see. But the type of seeing we're talking about here is, is, is seeing God, it's to know him, to have a personal relationship with him or, or really a friendship with him. Amen? That's the type of seeing we're talking about here. So blessed are the pure in heart, they will see or they will know or have a personal relationship with God, those that have a pure heart. Amen. We were just on vacation here a couple weeks ago, and uh, it was, uh, you know, my oldest son Noah is going to Alaska fishing with his, his grandpa here next month, so he wasn't able to come with, but it was our youngest two boys and Melissa and I. You know, and we didn't go down there and just, you know, sit around and, and, and look at one another, right? We didn't just see each other. We, we, we spent time together. We laughed together. We, we, you know, communicated and connected with one another, and, and, and we, we laughed, did all those things to get to know one another better, amen? And that's the seeing that Jesus is talking about here. And again, it sounds so commonplace now, but at the time it was very radical because he's out there talking to these common people like you and I. You know, these people that are not Pharisees or Sadducees and, and those were the, you know, they were like the valedictorians, the, the, the number one in the class, amen, at the time. And, and he's, he's coming out here and he's saying, hey, if you simply want to see God, if you want to know God, all you have to do is be pure in your heart. And it drove the Pharisees, the religious people, absolutely crazy. So it's, it, the first thing is, how do we see God? It, it's, it's by being pure in heart. The second thing is, is what does it mean uh, to be pure in heart? That's the second question that we want to answer. What does it mean to be pure in heart? So the word pure, the good news is, is it, it, it does not mean something that's never been dirty. So how many people before Christ, you could say you were pretty unclean, like, like I was, amen? You know, and, and we were dirty before Christ, but Jesus came in and, and he cleaned, cleaned us up, amen? He, he cleansed us. The Bible says if any man or, or woman be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And again, the, the Pharisees are sitting here watching all this, and, and they're experts on outward appearances, on, on making everything look good on the outside, but they didn't worry about the heart so much. It was all about being whitewashed on the outside and, and having the look of religion, and, and they were concerned about what you could eat and what you couldn't eat, what you could wear, you know, how far you could walk on certain days of the week, how to wash your hands. And again, they looked religious on the outside, but on the inside, it was a completely different thing. And that's religion. It simply says this, blessed are the outwardly clean, those that look, right, and sound super spiritual. Those that have it all together on Wednesday and Sunday. That's what religion says. But Jesus said, blessed or happy, satisfied and envied are the pure in heart. And this word heart here, it's basically who you are at your core. Who you are at the center of your, of your being. It's, it's not the external thing. Again, it's, it's the heart of the matter. It's the, the center of your being. 
And again, aren't we experts at, at making ourselves look good on the outside? You know, you look at social media and, and Instagram and all these things, and there's all these filters that, you know, you can make it where you don't even look like yourself anymore. We can externally make ourselves look a lot better than we really are. I remember when we were, you know, coming up through the ranks in Advocare, it was probably 10, 11 years ago, and uh, they sent a guy up to, um, to, you know, a photographer. We were in a, a magazine thing that they had, and I think Max was probably around two years old, and we were down at, at, at the falls and, and took some pictures down there and and that went pretty well but then we got to our to our house and you know they kind of set the stage and and did the background it wasn't our normal living room of course they you know they gussied it up a little bit and and then we're all there and and of course having Max as a two-year-old I I bribed him you know like any good dad would I I said hey if you if you smile and do what it is that you're supposed to do we can go get Dairy Queen after this and you know he was at an age where every time the guy took a picture he'd want to run back behind you know and look at the picture and then that only lasted so long and then he started to get more and more aggravated, as did I, and so then it turns into, you know, you're going to get the rod and all this, you know, just, just smile, you know, so again, behind the scenes, there's all this going on just to snap this picture that externally looks perfect. How many people have been there before? Amen? I always threaten our boys, and I say, hey, Mother's Day and, and Christmas and all that, we can get a picture down here, or we can do a half hour to an hour at JCPenney's or one of them places, so it's your choice, and, and they typically cho- choose here. But here's how he ended up having to do it. He had to, he had to Photoshop Max's head out of a, a different picture onto the main picture just so we could get a good shot. And that's just the way it was because once, once he melted down, there was no getting him to smile and, and, and make it work. So again, this is about the heart, not about the external, like the Pharisees were talking about. So what did Jesus have to say about this? Go to, go to Matthew chapter 23 and, and we'll see what it is that Jesus said to the Pharisees you know, about their outward appearance. And, and I'll tell you this, you know, this metaverse thing that comes, it's, it's cool looking through like the Oculus and all that, but I'm telling you, five to 10 years from now, when, when that world becomes more real than the world that we live in, we're gonna have some major, major problems because you can be anybody or anything that you wanna be in the metaverse, amen? So we're gonna, you talk about social media having some issues, mark my words, it's gonna be interesting. Go watch the movie Ready Player One. It'll show you a lot. Amen? Matthew chapter 23, that's, that's just extra. 23 verse 27 and 28, this is, is Jesus talking to the Pharisees. He says, woe to you, or another translation says, what sorrow awaits you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. For you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautifully outward, but inside are full of dead man's bones and all uncleanness, or, or that word impurity. So again, you think about a, a tomb back in the day. Inside that tomb were, were just, you know, dead, dead people, right? The, the, the bodies were decayed in there and so forth. But what did they do? They, they whitewashed the tomb on the outside so it looked really good. And that's what he's talking about to the Pharisees. He said, hey, you guys look religious. You look good on the outside. But inside, there's, there's dead man's bones. There, there's no life there. There's no spirit there. Amen. In verse 28, he said, Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. And another word for lawlessness is wickedness. And you talk about the day and age we live in. If, if it's not lawlessness, I don't know what it is that you call it. Amen? Amen. So you have to ask yourself the question. I ask this question. What, what area am I being a hypocrite? Because again, this is about learning and, and growing and wanting to be pure in heart so that we can know God and, and have a strong relationship with him. You know, for me, it's, it's, it's being careful not to judge others based on, on the things that they do, but yet judging myself based on my intentions. 
Anybody do that? You, you look at other people's actions and you go, man, they should have done this or, or shouldn't have done that. And, and we may be doing the same thing, but we intended not to or, or we intended to, so we, we show ourselves grace, but we don't show grace to other people. Amen? But that's hypocritical. You know, it's, it's judging somebody else for something that, that, that you're doing. You know, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 33, and he, he's continuing in a, in a different part, talking to the Pharisees here and, and basically rebuking and correcting them. And he had good reason here. You know, the context here is, is the Pharisees had just got done accusing Jesus of casting out the, a, a devil basically by the hand of Satan, right? And, and Jesus said, hey, you know, a house divided cannot stand. You know, it, it, I, I'm not doing this by the power of Satan or, or by the power of Beelzebub. I'm doing this by the, the, the Holy Spirit. In Matthew 12, 33, we pick up the story and, and see what Jesus said to these Pharisees. He said, either make the tree good and its fr- fruit good or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Real simple, I always say, rotten root, rotten fruit. Good root Good fruit. And again, we don't, we don't judge people, but we judge the actions, and the actions tell us where a person's heart at. And we, we continue on. It's, it says, brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things, and an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil, evil things. So everything... That's evil on the outside comes from evil on the inside. Just like everything good on the outside comes from good on the inside. And, and that's how you can judge things is, is, again, by a person's actions. Things like, like strife and division and jealousy and pride and greed, anger, lust, gossip and slander and on and on and on. You know, all of these things that they, they, they are breeding grounds. They, they start in the heart and then they end up coming out. The good news is, is if you put the word of God in, that, the seed of the word of God will come in and, and good will come out as a result of it. Love and joy and peace, long-suffering, all nine, nine fruit of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. So as we answer this question of, of being pure in heart, we, we look at two different aspects. This will kind of bring it into context and, and, and really help to, to put some action to this. So the, the first aspect of, of having a pure heart is, is positional purity. So you think about this. This is, this is purity that has been given to us because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. This is, this is God's part. So when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you, you, you make him Lord of your life, you, you basically hand your sin over to him, and he hands his righteousness, his holiness, his purity. He exchanged your sin over for his, his right standing. Amen? It, it's called justification justified, never even sinned before. It's, it's very hard to wrap your head around, but again, it's, it's positionally, that's where you're positioned in Christ, and you've got to know that, and you've got to understand that, otherwise you're going to walk from this position of you're never going to be good enough, and, and you will never be good enough if you're doing it on your own volition, but by the grace of God. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it, it says this, because I, I hear people say all the time, and I've said this, you know, I, I don't feel very righteous, I don't, I don't feel very holy, I don't, I don't feel very pure. Well, it's not about how we feel, it's about faith, amen? And here's what 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30 says. It says, God has united, God has united you with Christ Jesus. So again, position. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God, he or, or Jesus made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Can you give God a, a shout of praise for that, amen? He freed us from sin. 
So what does that mean? When he looks at you, he doesn't see your past. He doesn't see your shortcomings. He doesn't see your failures. He doesn't see your mistakes. He only sees the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, amen? That's what he sees. He sees purity in Christ. That's the position that we're in, you know, in, in positional purity. If you've got a, a, a challenge with this, I, I'd encourage you to go to Romans chapter five. It, it talks all about justification, you know, all about, about your position in Christ and what it is that he did for you. Ephesians chapter two, verse eight and nine, it, you know, you can't earn your salvation. It says, we're saved by grace, through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, lest any man should boast, right? Or could boast. So if there's anything we can do to earn that salvation, earn that, that justification, that, that, that right standing with God, we would boast about it. Now, as a result of our salvation, as a result of that position that we have, we, we work from that position and right things should happen as a result of that. Again, the fruit of the Spirit, once you get born again, the Holy Spirit comes in to live and dwell within you and that seed of the Holy Spirit, fruit should start developing over time as a byproduct of that. Amen? As you grow and develop and nurture it, you know, come to church, hang around other believers, put the Word of God in, spend time with prayer, that's what's developing that fruit of the Spirit. Amen? So the first... First aspect of, of being pure in heart is, again, positional purity. The second aspect is a little bit more difficult. It's called practical purity. What, what we actually do in practice, and this is, is, is what God is doing in and through our lives when we surrender and we submit to the will of God. This is, this is the practical part of it. And again, and again, this is a little bit more difficult. This is a little tougher. We're in a position correctly, but when we've got to walk this out, you know, we've, we live in a fallen world. You know, we've got a garden this year, and, you know, Melissa's planted radishes and, and uh, beans and, and I think a watermelon and different things like that, but she's got to go out there and weed that thing. If we hadn't planted anything, what would grow up? Weeds, right? Because we live in this fallen world. So this practical purity, it's a lot more challenging to walk this thing out. And again, this is the actual doing part of Christianity, you know, I hear people say this, like, like you know, I, I hear that I'm in this position of, uh, of purity, but I still struggle with, with X, Y, or Z sin. You know, whether it's an addiction or a, a greed or lust or, or all the various things that I, that I mentioned before. Or you might say something like, you know, it's, it's hard to practically live this out when, when my marriage is on the rocks or, or when my job or the finances are really tough or, or you know, I've got this addiction that, that I thought I beat, but now it came back around and, and now I'm struggling with this again. It's hard to practically live this out, and, and there's truth in that. Amen? So positionally, you're positioned right, but practically walking it out is a whole other thing. So the third question we've got to ask ourselves is, is what does it look like in my life practically to be pure in heart? So, so what's the action items here? You know, pure, purity, earlier we talked about how it, it, it was dirty at one time, and Jesus came in and he, and he cleaned us up, and, and he positioned us correctly. But the word pure, it, it really means this. It means not diluted, not, not watered down. You know, you've, you've drank like Kool-Aid or, or Crystal Light or something that before and, you know, if, if it gets watered down at the end, you know, you put a little bit in there to, to stretch it because maybe you didn't go to the store. It doesn't taste as good, right? That, that's, that's, that's what it is. We want it not to be watered down of, of one pursuit, not double-minded. James said that a, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So we want to be not diluted of one pursuit. We want to be whole and complete. And I think this word purity, it also describes the concept of the word integrity. And integrity is a, is a strong, challenging word. It's, it, it means the quality or condition of being whole. That's integrity. 
C.S. Lewis said it a better way. He said, integrity is doing the right thing even when nobody is watching. Doing the right thing even when nobody is watching. Having a pure heart. Amen? Being the same person whether people can see what you're doing or not. You know, when you're on the job site or, or when you're at home, being the, the same person Monday through Friday as you are on, on Sunday morning. Amen? Amen? You think about, you know, integrity, a lot of times they use the word for, for like a foundation or a structure. I know when, when we were remodeling the, the sanctuary in here, and you remember the steps and how they came down before, and, uh, you know, of course, I was, I was coaching. Actually, I was kind of Austin's little helper, I'll, I'll be really honest. But, but when we were tearing things out, then, you know, the architect or the engineer came in and said, you've got you've to basically fortify that underneath there. So, you know, he cut out, you know, underneath the drywall and ripped all that out, and, and then he put some beams underneath there. So, you know, now you can sit up there and, and you can walk up there because, you know, it's, it's got integrity. It's, it's going to stand. The, the foundation is there. It's, and, and it's crazy because, you know, as we were doing all this, it, it didn't look like much when we were in the construction process, right? The, the behind the things, the foundation and, and all the stuff that's going on behind the walls, the wiring and the plumbing and, and, and the lighting and all that different stuff. But, you know, it doesn't look good until you get all the finishing touches on there. But the integrity of something matters so much. The foundation matters so much because if the foundation isn't good, right, it doesn't matter what stuff you put on because, again, the house is going to fall in on itself. Amen. So what, we, what do we have to ask the question of? You know, what's going on, not behind the walls of our house, but what's going on behind the walls of our life? Amen. What, what integrity? Are, are we pure in heart? And again, this is not talking about perfection. You remember, perfection in the Bible, it's, it's spiritual maturity. We, we come to church and, and we listen to pastor and we, we get in the word and we pray because, we, again, we want to mature and we want to grow over time. That's the word perfection in the Bible. But it's not, it's not an outward perfection, but it's really more about a direction that we're, we're wanting to go. Or, you know, where are you aiming your life? Are you aiming your life, you know, by trying to, to, to walk in God's will and, and, and walk by God's grace to move towards purity? And you've got to be intentional with that. You've got to be intentional with that. If, you know, things drift towards chaos, it's like the garden thing. Again, if, if you don't plant, plant, you know, seeds in that garden of what you want to grow up, weeds are going to grow on as, as a byproduct. And it's the same way in our life, right? If, if, if we're not intentionally moving in a direction, as a byproduct, chaos is going to happen. If, if Melissa and I are not intentionally working on our marriage, if I'm not intentionally spending time with my three boys and, you know, teaching them the word of God and doing those things, as a byproduct, they're not just going to learn it by accident, our faith, our, our, our family, our, our fitness. You know, if you're not intentional about what it is that you're putting in your body and, and moving and whatnot, what happens as a byproduct, right? Unhealthiness. Amen? Yeah. Financially, same thing. You know, it's, it's all about being intentional and it's all about the aim and the direction that it is that we're going. So this word inte- integrity. Imagine everybody out on social media, if everybody had integrity. How awesome would that be? It'd be a completely different world. Everybody, before they posted, they, they really thought things through and they didn't just share things that, that somebody else shared and, you know, not trying to figure out if it's, it's real or not or, or whatever. They, they did things with integrity. How about this? How about if the media had integrity? How awesome would that be? Amen? And, and I, I feel like that's the biggest problem we run into nowadays. You, you, you just don't even know what to believe anymore. And it's frustrating. And that's where you have to be led by the Spirit. Blessed are those that are pure in heart, for they shall see God. That's how you hear from God. And, and you need to be hearing from God this day and age more than because there's so many voices that are out there talking. Amen? So many talking heads, so many different agendas, and all of that stuff. So pure in heart. 
just to kind of wrap this up and, and uh, come to a conclusion here, pure in heart, it means this. It's, a, it's an intentional, or excuse me, an internal wholeness that results in external holiness. I'm going to say that again. An internal wholeness, right? Uh, integrity, it's a, it's a confidence internally that results in external holiness. So when you get saved, God, God puts that confidence within you, the Holy Spirit in you, and externally that should, should, should you know, bring change to the things that you're doing in your life. James chapter 4, verse 6 through 8, it, it says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, period. A lot of times we read it, we say, submit to God and resist the devil. No, it's, it's simply submitting to God, period. And then it says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know, so many times we're out fighting the devil, but see, if we just submit to God and, and we're following God, we won't find ourselves in sin and in temptation and stuff like that because we're heading in that direction. Amen? That's how I would explain it in fitness. I'd say, you know, everybody that walked in the gym, they, the majority of people wanted to make some sort of physical change, right? They wanted to lose weight. And so how did, they, how did they measure that? By stepping on the scale. Well, the scale is a lagging indicator. What does that mean? That's a, that's a byproduct of the things that we do. But if we focus on getting healthy, getting sleep, being hydrated, you know, eating throughout the day, putting healthy meals in, moving more, guess what happens as a byproduct? We get healthy and weight loss happens as the byproduct, right? We submit ourselves to health and as a byproduct, we get what it is that we want to get. We submit ourselves to God and as a byproduct, we're resisting the devil. The closer you get to God, the farther you are away from the enemy. You won't find yourself again in sin and temptation. We're talking about having a pure heart. Amen? You following me? Amen. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Then it says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. One foot in the world and one foot in the word. Double-minded Christians, we don't want to be that, amen? And that's what he was talking about, you know. He was talking to Christians here in, in, in James. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So as we, we land this plane, how do, how do I live or, or walk in purity in, in such a chaotic time frame? I'll give you four quick ways as we, we wrap this up. The first way is, is, is we've got to be careful, right? You know, what are you allowing to influence your life? You're being influenced and you're being sold at all times. You're being programmed. That's the best way to say it. All the stuff that's coming in, you know, we don't have brain damage. It's, it's the operating system that we have. And that's why Romans chapter 12, it says, be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That's why we have to renew our mind to the word of God, because again, the world is constantly trying to program you. Amen? Consume more. If you had this, then you'd be better and, and just, you know, all this stuff, right? Instead of just having contentment, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all that stuff is added unto you. Proverbs 4.23, it says, above all else, think about that, above everything else, he says, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. And we talked about that earlier. Evil comes from the heart, just as good comes from the heart. That's where it starts at. Do you remember when we talked a while back, we talked about you know, our thinking or our belief system. That's where it starts. Then, then the things that we think about or meditate on, those, those are the words we start to speak, right? And then, and then the words we speak start to become the actions we start to do. The actions we do become our habits. That's the stuff we do on a daily basis. That's, that's our habit pattern, and our habits create our life. But the start of it, is our thinking process. That's why he says, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. You don't you like your life? Change what you got putting in, and it'll change everything. Amen? So what are you looking at? What are you listening to? 
Who are you surrounding yourself with? I, I just always laugh how at 18, you know, it matters from our kids until they're 18, and then, uh, you know, beyond that, it, it seems like it doesn't matter anymore. It, it matters until, you know, we go to be with Jesus. Amen? Here's another great filter. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, it, it says, Now, brothers and sisters, one final thing. He says to fix your thoughts. There's that thinking thing again, right? Think on things that are true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are, that are excellent and worthy of praise. And again, this is a filter that we could run everything through. You know, when you do post something on social media, you know, when you are, are out, you know, at your workplace and, and you're having idle conversation or gossip or, or whatever, is this thing true and honest and just and pure and holy? Is this edifying? Amen? Because the Holy Spirit is with us the whole time. Again, this is about having a pure heart so that we can know God. And it matters. This is the practical application of, uh, of walking this thing out. The second thing, so the first thing again is, is, is being careful. The second thing is, is being consistent. You know, we talked about that in, integrity and are you the same person no matter where you're at, whether you're at home or, or church or the gym or the workplace or out with friends. Again, it, it matters. People are watching you. Amen. They're watching you at all times. And the moment you think that they're not watching, I'm telling you, that's when they're watching you the most. They're trying to see if this thing that you're doing is really real or not. I promise you that. Amen? Be consistent. The third avenue is, is to be courageous. You know, do you, do you call out what is wrong and, and, and encourage what is right? You know, again, there's, there's a time and a place to do this. But again, we have to stand up for righteousness. Jesus did when he talked to the Pharisees there. He was telling them, hey, woe to you. But, but see, he didn't go to them. They came to him first. Amen? And then, you know, righteous indignation came in. And, you know, some of us, we, you know, we've got to develop a little bit more meekness, right? And we've got to have strength under control. And we've got to use wisdom on, on the time and place to do this. But again, it's got to be regardless of, of your political party or, or, or what camp you're facilitated with. If it's right or wrong, you're going to call it out. Never forget, it's, it's not wearing, about wearing a blue shirt or a, a red shirt. It's, it's the shirt underneath, which is the kingdom shirt, amen? You're a Christian first, amen? You're a follower of Jesus Christ, and everything is after that fact. You, you're not who, what you do. You are, you know, whose you are, which is a, is a born-again Christian, amen? Because never forget this. The only, only, only thing that's going to change people is Jesus Christ, you're not going to say something just perfect that, oh man, I, you said it that way and, and now I'm going to change my viewpoint to your point, viewpoint. No, it's praying for them and, and, and leading them down the path of righteousness. Arguing with them and, and you know, trying to be right and all that stuff, that, that, that just, it's never worked for me, I'll tell you that. Amen. What works for me always is my testimony and just loving people. Mike DeYoung, I'll, I'll tell this quick story. I, I remember, you know, he, they had a, a minister down and, and he had posted something about it, and another minister in, in their small town there um, basically said, oh, health and wealth preacher. And rather than Mike lashing out on him, he, he basically private messaged him, and he said, hey, you know, I saw your post on, on my you know, Facebook wall. He said, I, I'd love to get together you know, for coffee or, or have lunch with you sometime. And, and of course, at first, the guy was a little bit adversarial and didn't want to, but, but they ended up meeting, and, and, and Mike just simply went and made a friend. Instead of going and having an agenda and trying to explain his side of the story, he went and, and he sought understanding from the other guy and, hey, hey, what's your definition of prosperity? 
You know, what's your definition of, of all this? What's your background? And it came out where, you know, he'd, he'd been, you know, kind of in some weird stuff and, and heard some weird things earlier on in life. And, and so the pendulum always kind of swings to the exact opposite direction, right? You know, Brother Hagin always talked about the two ditches. And you think about when you're driving down a gravel road, if you get sucked into one side, what do you, what do you tend to do? You overcorrect, right? And then it takes you kind of over into the other ditch, and it's, it's about being balanced, right? And, and moving it down to the center of the road. And Mike said how awesome it was, how he's, he's got another peer in his, his, his community, uh, another minister of the gospel, where they found common ground. They agreed to disagree on some things, but yet they walked away friends. And, and how would that change the world, amen? If we can't do that in Christian circles... You know, how is the world ever going to do that? Amen? So it's about being courageous. He, he, that took courage to do that. And finally, being contagious. So if you do all these things, if, if you're careful and, and you're consistent and you're courageous as a byproduct, you'll be contagious. Like I said earlier, people are watching you and they will be attracted, not to you, but to Christ in you. So you're positionally and practically pure. Final scripture, Titus chapter 1, verse 15. Just listen to this. It's about purity. It says, To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But even their mind and conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but in works, there it is, they deny him. Their fruit, right? Being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. And I think about that. To the pure, everything is pure. I, I remember Jane, when, when she first started to come to work for me years ago at, at the gym, you know, just kind of out of college, and then she had to go to boot camp, and, and uh, you know, she was homeschooled. So it, it was always funny, but it was always a testimony when, you know, people would share jokes, you know, it's, it's a gym, and, and she didn't get it a lot of times. She didn't get the, the, the crudeness, right? You know, I, I lived 28 years as a, as a sinner, so you know, I knew, you know, as a background what they were talking about, but see, to the pure, everything is pure. But see, to the defiled, everything is defiled. Amen? And that's why, it's, it, you know, it's, we live in a defiled world now. You know, if, 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 if somebody says something like, you know, me and my girlfriend are, you know, as, as two women, you know, my girlfriend and I are going to do whatever, you know, to the defiled, they think there's something going on there. To the, the pure, they just think, hey, it's two buddies that are going to do whatever. Amen? To the pure, everything is pure. And there's something about this. We've got to get back to holiness. Not, not an outward holiness, but an inward holiness. And as a result of that inward holiness, it will come out of us. Amen, that, that inward purity. That's, that's the gist and the point of the whole thing. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And our prayer tonight is just the same as it was last week. Psalm 51.10, God create in us a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within us. So again, positionally, you're all, if you're a born-again Christian, you're positioned perfectly here tonight. It's just that practical thing that, that we constantly have to to, it's warring against us. But how do you do it? Every day, you know, I, I've been listening to Doc Barclay's Holy Spirit Conference and, and, and he said years ago he had called around to five of his mentors or, or fathers in the faith. One was Lester Summerall, uh, another one was John Osteen. I can't remember who the others were, but he said it was almost like each of them had called one another. And he asked the question, he said, you know, what, what's going on in the body of Christ? Like, like where are things at and, and where is the body? And each of them kind of thought about it for a little while. And, you know, they would come back with, they said, you know what? 
a lot of it comes down to praying in the Holy Ghost. Most of them don't, don't either value it enough or are not intentional enough about it. And, and each one to a T said the exact same thing. And they each said, you know, they said, I bet most Christians don't spend 15 minutes a day praying in the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you, when I heard that, I was like, wow. You know, I do it kind of haphazardly and, and intentionally at some times, but, but not as intentional as I should be with it. And since I heard that, I was just like, man, I, I'm going to do what I got to do. I'm going to set a timer for 15 minutes and just get into it. Not to be legalistic. It's not about that. But it's just like working out. If you're not intentional about it, you know, it just drifts towards chaos as a byproduct, right? And I'll tell you, it, it changes things. It, it makes your day go better and, and it, you know, your life go better. And again, it's not the, the end all be all. Of course, the word of God is, is first and foremost in our relationship with him. But, but praying in the Holy Ghost, it really ministered to me. And I just wanted to share that with you as well. Amen. 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 So Father, we just thank you, God, for the word that went forth tonight. We just do pray, God, that, that we would have a pure heart before you, God. We want to see you, God. We want to know you, God. We don't take lightly what it is that, that Jesus did for us. We, we so value the position that you've given us in, in right standing with you, God, that you've declared us that we are the righteousness of you in Christ Jesus, and we're so grateful for that, God. And if anybody's missed it or, or, or stepped away from you, God, I just pray right now that they would turn their hearts back to you, God. Your word says that if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just, to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And I thank you for that, Father. You're a good dad. You're standing there with open arms, just like the prodigal son, awaiting our return. And God, we just pray that, that you would strengthen us, give us grace to, to come up to a higher level to you, to, to be a light and a witness to the world, God, and to do what it is that you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning service at 9.30, as well as our midweek service on Wednesday nights at 7. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.